Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptor Show. And today I am joined by my good friend, Corey Clipston, for a second time back on the show. He is the founder and CEO of Swan Bitcoin, a company that I talk about quite a bit. They're doing amazing things in the space, but he's also very, very educated. And so there's some hot topics that I want to dig in and I'm excited. So, Corey, thanks for joining me today. It's great to be here. I know we've got a, a good hit list here uh, to run through and I'm excited to dig in. Yeah. So, um, man, the, the Bitcoin space has been very turbulent and volatile lately. Um, anyone who's been around Bitcoin for any period of time knows that it's Bitcoin, it, you know, it's very volatile and turbulent. Um, in bull markets, like we, like we're kind of in right now, um, seeing 30% drops aren't really abnormal. We're kind of at like a 50% drop. We're kind of recovering from that now, uh, but it really seems to be driven by um, news as we might call it FUD, as opposed to like more like fundamentals. What are you, what are you seeing or thinking about in regards to that? Yeah, I actually think the uh, basically what happens is when something gets kind of overbought and there's too much leverage to the upside, uh, pretty much anything can kind of start that cascade down and kind of wash the leverage out of the system. So it actually doesn't matter whether it's, you know, China mining FUD or Elon tweets or whatever. Yeah, almost anything will sort of derail uh, a, a rally that has gotten a bit overextended with too much leverage and too much bullishness. Hey guys, let me just interrupt this interview real quick just to plug the show sponsor, and that is BlockFi. Now, BlockFi is doing amazing things in the Bitcoin finance space. As a matter of fact, they've cracked some really big news by bringing on the ex-CFTC um, chair, Chris Giancarlo, um, and they are one of the most transparent, most heavily regulated um, companies inside the United States, which gives me a lot of trust um, into what their services are. Now, I've recently did a video talking about how to retire off of Bitcoin. And you can do that by leveraging debt and interest against Bitcoin. And BlockFi is the the number one company in the United States or maybe in the world to go to and use. Um, they are leading the charge. They're paying interest on your Bitcoin if you park it with them, or you can borrow against it. Now, as I broke down in that video, you can borrow against your Bitcoin. And when you take debt against it, it's not taxable. It's not a taxable event. You can use that debt for anything that you want, including to live off of, to leverage up and buy more, or roll it into another asset. Um, you can do something like I've done recently, like sell some real estate, put that money into Bitcoin, now, as that Bitcoin price has risen, I'm able to borrow against it and go back and buy the same real estate or something similar. And I still own the Bitcoin and I also own the new asset as well. Lots of ways you can do this. Um, and BlockFi is the company that I recommend. Down in the description, I have a link that you can click on. If you choose to use that link, you can earn up to $250 in Bitcoin just for using that link. So check out BlockFi now. For yeah. where we are in the cycle. So, you know, I, I, I see it as healthy. Well, we went to like 65, back to 33, back up to 40 like this feels fine it feels very much like the pullbacks that we had in shape and size and duration in 2017 and you know i'm i'm not worried and again it doesn't matter just zoom out at the end of the day like any sat you stack with bitcoin under a million dollars before 2025 is cheap so yeah uh, you know we just recommend just just keep buying with some spare change according to your plan whenever you can and uh, and and just keep on accumulating and never sell yeah. Well, let's dig into a couple of the big pieces that um, were there. And, and, and really, they were kind of one and the same, right? So you, you kind of briefly mentioned those. So the China FUD, uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, so the FUD about um, the mining. And, and uh, it's a pretty, pretty ironic for, big, uh, for China to say that they want to stop mining on dirty energy 
um, especially when they're just announced last year or last year, they just brought on three times the amount of coal power plants as anywhere <laughs> the rest of the world. Um, but at the same time, I think what probably really kicked that into gear was Elon Musk, who had really come out um, seemingly in favor of Bitcoin and then all of a sudden kind of retract his statement like, oh, Bitcoin isn't mined in an efficient manner. It seemed like it was like that one-two punch. Did you see that? Yeah, of course. I was following it as we went along, and it seemed to contradict his earlier tweets. So the press release put out by Tesla that he posted an image of was obviously in direct contradiction to his personal tweeting back in January and February. So yeah. not really sure what the machinations were behind the scene, but he has a board and you know they're very dependent with their business model on sort of government largesse and subsidies in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And in particular, like some of these renewable energy credits that they're sort of angling for. And uh, you know some of their cash flows are sort of ending now in a big way uh, with some of the other companies that have been paying them over the years now having their own electric vehicle fleets and not having to buy these credits from Tesla anymore. Yep. Um, so they're they're sort of at the trough right now, trying to make sure they have their next sort of uh, leg up of subsidies over the next few years. And it seems you know it seems just too cute that that tweet came out. The FUD tweet came out and literally the next day was all the news about the uh, the new arrangements with the renewable energy credits for Tesla. So yeah, uh, hard not to see a correlation there. Yeah, I mean, there's just got to be. And anyone who's really studied Elon Musk, I know people love him. Um, and, you know, he's, he's quite a character, but um, his career has really been built, as you called it, the regress of, of the government. I mean, he's a grifter, right? So um, all the money that's come from SpaceX... And for Tesla has really come from the benefit of the fiat money system. I'm going to stop way short of, of grift because that usually is just for personal gain. And I actually think the dude is trying to complete important missions. Like I do think Teslas are amazing vehicles and it's kind of pulling that whole industry out of the 1950s and into a new millennium. So I, I appreciate what he and that company have done there. And I think what they've done with the commercialization of of you know space travel and, and satellite launches and what they're doing with Starlink with the satellite internet like these things are all great and and worthy and you can quibble about the energy mix and the resource use of this that and the other and you know clearly those are intensive processes to create those and you're not actually getting away from fossil fuels if you're using electricity unless the source of the electricity is clean too so it's kind of marketing right. so yes all of that is true but you can also I like to be honest because then I have credibility and full integrity when I, uh, you know, attack somebody for doing something that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason that I like to, you know, explain how I love the writing of Nassim Taleb. And just because he doesn't understand Bitcoin doesn't mean that all his work in other areas is worthless. Right. Sure. It doesn't mean that he's a, a charlatan. It's just like, like Ray Dalio had had Bitcoin wrong for years because of his social signals and his, you know, unwillingness to do his own research yeah. over the last year he's done his own research and he finally is starting to understand bitcoin and obviously his conclusions are very different what i would say to that though and i i 100 agree with those statements what i would say is i think it was charlie munger who said right show me the incentives and i'll show you the outcome kind of a thing mm -hmm. and so when you understand what uh musk's incentives were as you said right he he's very incentivized on the credits and he's losing the credits because auto manufacturers are coming on now with their own cars and whatnot. And so the incentive structure there for him to then have to come out, right? So then if we understand the incentives, then we kind of understand the outcome, which is um, maybe he got a tap on his shoulder from somebody. Maybe he just realized it himself. 
but because he's dependent and whatever you want to call that, but his business is pretty dependent on, you know, government help. Um, mm -hmm. That's the incentive. And then, so you see the outcome, yeah. I guess. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. These two things can both be true. Yeah. He can want to, he can believe truly that he's trying to save the world and that he doesn't care if he has a few tens of millions of dollars. I think he wants some money yeah. or a hundred billion dollars. And I, I truly don't think he actually cares that much. Um, but then he yeah. also, you know, he, he whipsaws. You can see it in real time. Like sometimes he just seems like super ego driven. And sometimes he seems very altruistic and, you know, people can be more than one thing. Yeah, for sure. It seems uh, he has a history of this as well, right? So he was fined by the SEC $20 million, I believe, for um, manipulating the, or they, they said he was manipulating. Was, the, was the that Tesla. when he said... I'm thinking about taking Tesla private at four, yeah. 420. I think. Yeah. So like, you know, he has a history of doing this with his own stock, obviously Dodge, Dogecoin and Bitcoin. So um, it's hard to, hard to believe that the whole market could move off of what he says, but right. I want, I want to move, I want to move past that. And um, a couple things first um, the energy around Bitcoin FUD is, 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 there's so many things that we can talk about that, but it is a little bit ironic when you look at, you know, understanding that everything in life has trade-offs. And so um, we can choose not to use gas and oil for cars so we can use batteries, but then what about the mining for the cobalt and the, and the lithium and what that's doing, right? And so everything has a trade-off. And I think, uh, I think people fail to realize that sometimes. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, I think this, this response of, of Michael Saylor and some of the North American mining companies to, you know, have a powwow with Elon and kind of explain things. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a PR move. And it's debatable whether you want to move an inch. And I hear this from a lot of friends and, you know, the kind of oil and gas industry and what happens when you sort of create one of these like, let's be greener type councils. And it basically sort of starts down a slippery slope and kind of delays progress by decades in many cases. So it can go horribly awry when you create one of these things. I obviously do have, you know, I got to be careful with what I say because I'm an advisor to uh, Riot Blockchain, which is a publicly listed Bitcoin miner. But, you know, essentially my understanding of what the goals of this thing is, is really just to encourage transparency along the lines of what Riot already does. They already publish exactly what their energy source is and, you know, yeah, they try to improve it over time and they engage with different stakeholders and respond to inquiries from, you know, people who want greener energy, et cetera. And, you know, just trying to be, trying to be good corporate citizens and exist <laughs> and make money yeah. while still not having a target on their back. But you know, it's not going to be some sort of like cabal that's at the whim of Greenpeace or something. It's going to be transparency and attempts yeah. to do the right thing, whatever that is for them. I'm curious what you think about that. And from a bigger standpoint, though, because like now we've seen like Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful talking about he wants a way to, to mark certain Bitcoins as being mined efficiently. Uh, we've seen Marathon, another big, you know, publicly traded company, specifically saying that that's what they're doing. Um, do you fear that this could lead to like two classes of coins? Not at all. I mean, honestly, like Bitcoin was built to withstand things like this, and the 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 code isn't affected by what miners do. Uh, you can't mine clean blocks without sort of not participating in the network, and you're not going to be on Bitcoin anymore. 
um, in that way, right? You're just going to lose money. Um, so you'll be less efficient. I just, you know, Mr. Wonderful is just obviously like trying to create a profit opportunity for himself and yeah. using, using his megaphone and some marketing lingo to, to try to create an opportunity. Um, what is it with people that are on that show just turning into like ridiculous scammers? <laughs> and I'm speaking well, to Mark, Mark Cuban in this case has been one of the worst actors that I've seen in business uh, over the last couple of years. It's just such a joke. Yeah, they, I mean, they all want to come in and say, uh, you know, I have a better way to fix it or whatever it is. And so yeah, uh, I think as so you said, kind of a profit opportunity. But I guess, you know, based off of what he's saying or what Marathon's trying to do, um, I mean, they really are trying to create like a premium coin that is has has no, you know, it's not tainted as they would call it or whatever. Um, it seems, uh, I, I made a post about this on Twitter the other day and I got all these Monero heads coming out and attacking me. And telling me, well, that's why Monero is so much better because it's Monero is truly fungible. Bitcoin is not fungible because it carries this um, history with it. Hey, sorry to interrupt this video just one more time. I'm not running Google ads, so it's actually way less interruption than I normally would have on a video. Um, and that's because it's sponsored by BlockFi. Um, they are opening up the world of Bitcoin and financial products, offering to pay you interest on your Bitcoin, um, better than owning a rental property that you have to manage and control and have the risks. You can just earn interest on it or you can leverage against it. Now, I plan to hold my Bitcoin forever and literally never sell my Bitcoin. So how do you do that? Well, if I need money, I don't want to sell that Bitcoin. I'm going to pay tax on it. All right. I'm going to end up with less and I don't have the Bitcoin anymore. So a better way to do it is to borrow against the Bitcoin. So I've put all my money into Bitcoin. If I want to buy a car or I want to buy a house, I can borrow against it at very, very low competitive rates, get my house, get my car, whatever that may be, and get to keep the Bitcoin. Now, I've done a whole video on this. Uh, you can find it. I'll link it down in the description below how to retire off of Bitcoin without paying taxes. And you can do that with BlockFi services. Um, I'll, I'll link to the video down below. I'm also going to put a link to BlockFi. If you choose to click on that link to check them out, you can earn up to $250 in free Bitcoin just for using that link. And that's it. Let's go ahead and get back to the interview. Yeah. Again, I just don't think it matters. Like if Bitcoin is built to withstand this sort of thing, then we're fine. Mm -hmm. And I think it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that um, a couple of things that I was thinking about is one, um, it's a little bit too late. <laughs> uh, there's 18 and a half million Bitcoin in circulation. There's maybe another two or three left. Like that's yeah. not enough to drive. Even if they were to mine all the Bitcoin left, it's not enough to fracture the market. Yeah. Um, right. And it is, it is, it is fungible in the sense that once it gets combined and spent and, you know, combined with other Bitcoins from other sources, and then it goes through eight hops, nine hops, 10 hops, like no amount of chain analysis is ever going to be able to track like where this stuff come, comes from without also flagging every other transaction on the network. Yeah. So it's just a non-starter. Yeah. I mean, all of this marketing language that Mara has been putting out and, you know, it's the same kind of stuff that chain analysis tries to sell to companies you know, it's, it's 2014, 2015 era lingo that isn't even going to be relevant in the future. Yeah. Most of this, most transactions so, are going to happen over lightning in the future. Anyway, it's completely irrelevant. What is marked on chain. And that's such a great point. And that's the kind of point that I was thinking about with the Monero people is that, um, you know, most of these transactions moving forward won't be done on the main chain. They'll be done through lightning. That is private. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I was thinking is that you could also obfuscate Bitcoin's history using other other means as well, coin joins, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and so you could just 
obfuscate the history that way. And then they said, well, uh, merchants won't accept coin Bitcoin without the history. And it's like, well, then why would they accept Monero? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. right? It's like kind of the same thing. It is. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, I hope you're right. I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's a little bit too late. I don't think they're gonna be able to change uh, the direction of, of Bitcoin. It kind of does remind me uh, back to the, the block size wars that we saw, you know, leading up to 2017, um, where we found out that the miners don't really have that much power over the network. And uh, we'll probably have to kind of revisit that maybe. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's funny is, you know, the block size wars were a much bigger existential threat. I don't think it actually got to that point, obviously, but it was a much bigger threat to Bitcoin than this is. This is recycled. This has been around in 2012, 2016, 2018, 2020, 2021, you know, energy FUD around Bitcoin and basically just not understanding that energy usage doesn't scale proportionally with transaction volume, like number of transactions and definitely not with uh, the amount of value being moved by those transactions is such a simple and silly error that people seem to understand in other domains that, you know, it doesn't cost a thousand times more to run the internet because the internet's carrying a thousand times more information. That's stupid. Yeah, the right. cost of everything that's used to, to create and run the internet goes down over time and things get more efficient. Right. And it's the same thing with Bitcoin. And also you can send a billion dollars of Bitcoin for the same amount of power as sending a dollar right you know so it's just a fundamental mis misunderstanding only simple people that haven't done their research even promote this sort of stuff and the truth will win out and again this was like a number four and number five concern what gives me optimism about bitcoin is that the worst of the fud in 2021 is something that's been around for like eight nine years and is just being trotted out again by people with no credibility or who haven't done their research yeah or have the strict incentive because they work at, you know, the Bank of Netherlands or something like that. And they're part creatures of the fiat system and, you yeah. know, arguing against it for those reasons or for ideological reasons or something. All right. Well, that's good to know. I want to switch gears a little bit now. And um, I like to say that I believe that, um, you know, re real investors always are looking for asymmetric opportunities, right? More upside than downside. Um and I say that the, the way to get those asymmetric opportunities is by having asymmetric information. You have to know something that most people don't have. So that's what I'm hoping to get from you now, Corey, because yeah. um, you have insight into some order books and some movement of big players and things like that. So I want to dig into what's actually kind of not just the news, but what's really going on. Um, before we get the super secret information that I'm going to make you share with us here in a second, um, we did see that maybe... The, maybe the most successful well-known investors in the world, definitely the largest hedge fund in the world, Ray Dalio, um, who has been against Bitcoin, started to think about Bitcoin, started to talk about Bitcoin, and now has come out and said that he is a Bitcoin holder. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, I mean, it, in retrospect, it was inevitable, as we often say. Uh, and, and what's inevitable is if you actually uh, go in with an open mind and, and don't have so much ego in the position that you've previously taken that you're unable to change your mind publicly, then by definition, once you understand Bitcoin, if you're honest and don't have some sort of like massive financial incentive to, to lie, 
then you'll end up with his position, the one he's yeah. growing into. Um, Taleb will come around in the end as well, unless his ego gets in the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they all will. If Munger lived to 150, eventually he'd become a Bitcoiner. He may not make it. He may expire before he understands Bitcoin. But, you know, it's inevitable that anyone who's honest and actually puts in the work will actually understand what's going on here. Yeah, I did a video that just went live yesterday. Well, at the time we're recording this anyway. Um, and I was talking about kind of this, this FUD and kind of breaking some of it down. And I was talking about Charlie, uh, or I'm sorry, Warren Buffett, and how he came out uh, big time against Amazon, saying it was a joke, it was a dream, it would never work, blah, 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 for years and years and years and years and years and years for a decade. Finally, he takes an $800 million position. <laughs> so um, I think that kind of gives you an idea. I mean, Warren Buffett finally came around. He missed the opportunity because he kept saying it was a joke. It was a dream. It would never work. He had a chance to buy it at a dollar, $5, or $10, but instead he bought it at $1,000, $800 million worth. And I think we'll probably see the same thing. Uh, but I think it was big for Dalio to come around. Um, his C CFO from Bridgewater left <laughs> to go join a Bitcoin company. Maybe that was something that pushed him over the edge. But one thing that he said that I thought was pretty powerful, pretty important that maybe people missed out on is that, I mean, he basically said he would rather own Bitcoin than bonds. Mm -hmm. And this is like the bond king, the 60-40 guy. Yeah. You know, his entire career has basically been surfing on a 40-year bond market bull run. And he knows that's over. Yeah. He, he's come out last couple of years. He's been saying cash is trash. Um, there was an article that he wrote a few months ago where I think he said cash is such trash that I would probably borrow against cash and go buy more assets. And now he's come out against the bond market and said he'd rather hold Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a massive catalyst. Um, I don't know if you guys have talked with, uh, with Greg Foss. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's a big, you know, career bond trader and, uh, he broke down the math of just like how big the bond market is and, uh, how even just a small piece of that coming over into Bitcoin would just be monumental. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. And I think it's really a, a great point of attack for those of us, uh, trying to increase Bitcoin adoption, both number of people and monetarily is to really attack the bond part of people's portfolios. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so man, this, like the noise is temporary distraction. I like to say that um, volatility is the difference of perception and reality. So, yeah. so the reality is that Bitcoin is the network is growing. The, the development is growing. The reality is we have an upward trajectory, but the perception gets a little over ahead of it. And then it mm -hmm. snaps back below and it kind of, it oscillates back and forth over reality. And I think these opportunities, these, these Bitcoin FUD, this news are opportunities where it brings reality below, I'm sorry, perception below reality. And that's our opportunity. So um, maybe you can kind of share with us what you're seeing. I know Swan works yeah. with some high net worth clients and whatnot. We do. I mean, across the board, right? You can start with as little as $10 a month, but you can also buy, you know, tens of millions of dollars through us. And we have customers at both ends and everywhere in between. And I think what's nice about the signal that you can get from what's been going on with Swan in the last month in this, this dip, let's call it, uh, most of our customers understand Bitcoin pretty well. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been pointed toward us in the first place because you're kind of finding Swan as you start to go down the rabbit hole and you find out where the signal is and all of the noise. 
you know, you're not going to find out about Swan on some, you know, random crypto, crypto TA channel on YouTube. It's like when you find Bitcoin authors and Bitcoin podcasters and like the smart voices on Bitcoin Twitter, that's when you see people recommending Swan. And so what's really interesting is our two biggest weeks in our company's history were the last two weeks. So the people that actually understand Bitcoin have been backing up the truck Mm. and buying as much as possible. That's important. That's what we hear in all our social channels and all of our customer support and just seeing the flow. We've never been busier. We've hired more people in the last month than any month in company history. And we've had our best month ever Mm. by far. I like that distinction. Um, being, you know, a longtime investor and studying the stock markets, um, they 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 differentiate and they call them the smart the smart money and the dumb money smart and the smart money. money are the institutions and things like that. Um, in the in the Bitcoin market, it's harder to define that uh, part because it's anonymous. But um, I think that was a great point that you made, right? So like the smart money are the ones that are actually producing the content, the education. Um, and they're the ones that are kind of funneling into your company. So when your company is exploding, it looks like the smart money is the one buying. If you define smart money as people that actually understand Bitcoin, people who understand Bitcoin are buying like crazy right now. Right. Yeah. And I would. I mean, those are the ones that have, have spent yeah. the time to educate themselves and yeah. spent the time to understand it better. 100%. Yeah. Well, that's good news. So um, I guess the I guess the inside edge, the asymmetric information from uh, from Corey is that uh, the smart money, the educated people are buying. Um, they're ignoring the FUD, and that's probably yeah. the, the trend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that you know, I often look to that. Uh, you know, what do you understand? What do you know that few people understand, or what do you understand that few people believe to be true, or whatever it is? You know, I like I like to point out that um, people who understand. Bitcoin buy a lot more Bitcoin than, you know, let's say someone who has a cursory understanding of like crypto and maybe a little bit of Bitcoin and they're trading on different exchanges or apps or whatever. And I think it's really interesting, you know, like I I can compare only to sort of public company numbers, but you look at like Voyager up in Canada, which trades a million cryptos and has super high margins. And, you know, we make significantly more uh, revenue per user per month, even though our margins are much lower. So we, we take lower fees and you can only buy Bitcoin, only one coin and you can only buy and our fees are lower and we make a lot more money per user than they do. Yeah. And so there's a lot of noise out there with all this, this crypto, crypto, whatever, but the signal is in the people that actually understand what's going on here, which you talk about all the time, which yeah. is that we're watching in real time, the adoption globally of a new monetary asset and a new sort of organizing layer for global society um, that basically equates to our best shot at freedom. Yeah. That's my belief. It's the only tool that we really have at this point. And um, to me, it's that important. So um, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But thanks so much for joining us today, Corey. Um, yeah, it's my anything, pleasure. Uh, anything you want to shout out? Obviously, Swan Bitcoin, anything that you're doing? Anywhere they want, want to direct people to follow? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it would just be nice for people to know since the last time I came on that we really ramped up our um, private client services division and we have like salespeople and account management. We're really trying to turn into like Bitcoin's customer service team. And we will talk to you on a Zoom or on a phone call and go back and forth on email and text message and really explain Bitcoin to you if you're looking to move a decent chunk of your portfolio over into Bitcoin. So just go to swanbitcoin.com slash private and uh and sign up there let them know uh that mark moss sent you so uh give them a little uh some sats on the back end maybe but um 
you know, I just, uh, I think we're, we're really out there educating and we'll take the time to explain Bitcoin to you and, and help you along this journey and help you get set up. So that's, that's our mission. Cool. And I'm going to make sure to put the links down in the description down below for anybody that's listening and wants to go check that out for more. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks so much, Corey. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. All right. 